Warning, The Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The storm in which we find ourselves today was set in motion by President Trump. I do not wish this moment on the country. Oh, shut up. It is not a pleasant task that we undertake up, today. Get but we have each taken an oath to protect the Constitution. Can you listen to and this? The facts before us ah, are blah, clear. Blah, yeah. President Trump did not merely seek to benefit from foreign night interference in our elections. Strikes. He directly and explicitly invited you know foreign who this interference is? in our elections. You know who you're listening to? You know who that is? The night school nebbish, Nadler. All five foot three of them finally getting even with a man, as I said before, who he's been jealous of his entire life. Trump is tall, handsome, has a beautiful wife, is a success in business. This nebbish went to night school. He went to Fordham Law at night. You thought I was joking when I called him a night school lawyer. A ticket fixer, the lowest kind. He looks like he just came out from behind a deli counter when he was caught with his finger on the scales. This is what America has come down to. Welcome to the Savage Nation. It is still going on, the charade. And believe me, as I sit here, it got worse today. My stereotype of yesterday, unfortunately, was reinforced today. Yes, it was. Now, I'm not going to repeat yesterday's show. It was considered a brilliant show with its ties to the Bible, biblical truths, uh, and it was covered beautifully in many places. The uh, show and summary of yesterday's prize-winning show was on Newsmax, Will Impeachment Cause a Rise of Anti-Semitism in the Country? It's a very fine write-up, wonderful write-up, by the way. And then in the Washington Times, I must say, that Cheryl Chumley, did a beautiful write-up. She said, Michael Savage's brilliant tie of Bible truths to impeachment. Thank you, Cheryl. And I'm watching this today, and I wish to God, I only wish to God I had been wrong yesterday. But here it was again. Here it was again. And I don't know how to say it. It was the Sanhedrin all over again trying to crucify an innocent man. Even Jonathan Turley, who, by the way, voted for uh, Obama. He voted for uh, Hillary Clinton. He's a Democrat. He said this is wrong. He said being mad is no basis for impeachment. Turley, of course, look, he agrees with me, so I like him, but he is a very dignified man, and he's also a very, I would say, objective legal scholar. The other, the other bums up there, where is the objectivity in these characters? There is no objectivity. In fact, they've worked against Trump from the time he was elected. They wanted to impeach him from the day he was elected, and one of them, One of these evildoers, this guy Gerhardt, worked around the clock for that evildoer, Dianne Feinstein, to try and crucify, you remember who, Kavanaugh? Here he is again with his big coffee cup under the table there. Look, the fact of the matter is these are not legal scholars. These are legal tricksters, most of them. They uh, speak more, let us say, professionally than most courtroom lawyers. They dress better. They're better tailors. But you know what? They're the lowest sort. And what they're doing is destroying another generation of people who want to become a a lawyer. It's horrible to watch this. And it's ongoing right now. So-called legal scholars are testifying before the House Judiciary Committee. What legal scholars? Have you seen the hag, the woman? If I ever told you what she wrote about herself, I I can't actually read what she said about herself because you'll accuse me of anti-Semitism. And you'd be wrong. But I'm not going to read you what she wrote. Why must she write about her religion and her sexual orientation in describing herself at Stanford? Why do I care what she does with her body at night? Why is that an issue? Why? How do you think she became a professor? Because she's such a great legal scholar? And that other one, that snurdly nose, that little pointy snurdly nose with the wide nostrils, with the Mr. Tweed jacket to show you he's a professor. What can I say to you? Night school, nebbish, trying to take down a president. Jerry Nadler said yesterday he was not going to take any SH, you know what, in today's impeachment hearing in a private meeting. You listen to this. Little Jerry Nadler, 5'3", is playing a tough guy in trying to take out President Trump, who was elected by half of America. Nadler is nothing but a night school never trying to act tough and undo an election on false pretenses, wrapped in lies and rigged testimony from Adam Schiffster. Do you know who Jerry Nadler is? 
Nadler got his B.A. in government from Columbia. Good for him. Then he worked as a legal assistant. Then in 1972, he got into politics as a legislative assistant for the New York State Assembly. But that wasn't good enough for old Jerry. So he became a shift manager at New York's off-track betting. Off-track betting. So he's tied up into the gambling uh, uh, underworld. Who would take a job at New York's off-track betting but someone who wants to get, in my opinion, mobbed up? And where did Nayla then get his law degree? The wise guy said, go get a law degree, shyster. We need a good, law, a good lawyer. But he couldn't get into law school. So Nadler went to Fordham University Knight School of Law. Then he jumped into politics in 1977. He ran for every possible position in New York, and he got beat by the worst mayor in New York City history, David Dinkins. So how did this loser become a congressman? Listen to this now. You're not going to believe it. To show you how broken the legal system is and the, and the uh, political system, how did this bum get into Congress at all when he lost every election he ever ran in? How? Listen to this. I bet you don't know this. A popular congressman running for re-election, Ted Weiss, dropped dead a day before the Democrat primary in New York. So the machine inserted Jerry Nadler in his place. Jerry Nadler won by default. He was a staunch defender of Bill Clinton during his impeachment in 1998, using many of the arguments to defend Clinton that he is now going completely against. During the Bush administration, he made attempts to impeach George W. Bush. He gave up in 2007, saying that doing so would be pointless and would distract from the presidential election. The point here is that he is a man with no accomplishments to speak of besides losing 100 pounds to gastric bypass. A small man in accomplishments, a man with pants worn up to his breasts, looks more like a disheveled public defender who has lost too many of his cases, in my opinion. And now he wants to take down a duly elected president on false charges. But this feud is not about a presidency. This is more about revenge. I'm talking about articles that you can find going all the way back to the 1980s when he opposed Donald Trump's attempts to build great things in New York City. He hated Donald Trump because he was jealous of him. He was everything he could not be. Trump represented everything Nadler wasn't. Well, the night school nebbish Jerry Nadler, who rose to power through luck and chance, is now heading up an impeachment effort of someone he personally hates and has a grudge against. Someone who has created more jobs, wealth, resources, and goods than Jerry Nadler, the otherwise soiled deli clerk. Nadler has done nothing of note to make the country better or to benefit any American in the country. He has never created a single job, and yet he is sitting in judgment of the votes of 50% of America, and he's getting away with it, and there's nothing we can do. This is the Savage Nation, and I approve of this monologue. And now on to the hearings themselves. Let's see. This one I detest the most. Here's another one from the Sanhedrin. Here's Noah Feldman now. Look at this one from Harvard Law. Let's listen to Noah. For his personal benefit. And the evidence strongly suggests that given the power suggests. of the president and given the incentives that the president created for Ukraine to comply with his request, that the president was seeking to serve his own personal benefit and his own personal interest. Uh, we, we That's heard the all definition of, of corruption. No, well, let me tell you something. Even Noah's bagels wouldn't hire you to serve a bagel in Noah's bagels because they'd be afraid you'd steal the cream cheese. This is disgusting. Here is a guy wearing the background of Noah Feldman, Mr. Tweed Jacket, with the flared nostrils just to show you how superior he is to everyone. Noah Feldman was on the short list to be nominated to the Supreme Court if Hillary Clinton had won the presidency. Do you understand where his animus is coming from? Do you understand why he's so enraged, Mr. Flat Nostril with the tweed jacket and the sloping shoulders? Because he would have been on the Supreme Court were it not for Donald Trump and us, those of us who elected him. But he's just a part of the problem. He isn't the whole problem. There are other people there who are good. Jonathan Turley, as I say, Democrat, lifetime Democrat, voted for Obama, would have voted for Hillary Clinton. He said so. Listen to what he had to say in clip number one. We are living in the very period described by Alexander Hamilton, a period of agitated passions. I get it. You're mad. The president's mad. My Republican friends are mad. My Democratic friends are mad. My wife is mad. My kids are mad. Even my dog seems mad. 
And Luna's a golden doodle, and, and they don't get mad. Right. So where is he going? Listen to clip two, and you'll see where he's going. So we're all mad. Where has that taken us? Will a slipshod impeachment make us less mad? Will it only invite an invitation for the madness to follow every future administration? Yes. That is why this is wrong. Thank you, Jonathan. It's not wrong because President Trump is right. His call was anything but perfect. It's not wrong because the House has no legitimate reason to investigate the Ukrainian controversy. It's not wrong because we're in an election year. Go on. One there more. is no good time for an impeachment. It's wrong because this is not how you impeach an American president. This case is not a case of the unknowable. It's a case of the peripheral. We have a record of conflicts, defenses that have not been fully considered, unsubpoenaed witness with material evidence. To impeach a president on this record would expose every future president to the same type of inchoate impeachment. There's, I'm sorry. Yeah, of course I agree with him. But tell me that he's wrong. Tell me where he's wrong. Uh, the phone number is 855-407-282. We are talking about uh, the night school nebbish Nadler who looks more like a disheveled subway flasher than a congressman running an impeachment. But that's the world we live in. I'll be right back. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Hey, here's a question. How did you sleep last night? Did you spend the night tossing and turning, worrying? Now look, if you're struggling to get a good night's sleep, you've got to try a purple mattress. The founders of Purple are two brothers who have been developing cushioning technology for 30 years on things like medical beds, wheelchairs. Well, in 2016, they finally decided to use their patented comfort technology to create Purple, the world's most scientific mattress. Now, what does that mean? How is Purple different from other mattresses? Listen, the Purple mattress will probably feel different than anything you've ever experienced. Why? Because it uses the brand new material that was developed by an actual rocket scientist. It was not like the memory foam that I'm used to or you're, you're used to. No, no. The purple material feels unique because it's both firm and soft at the very same time. So it keeps everything supported while still feeling really comfortable. Plus, it's breathable. Unlike foams, it's breathable so it sleeps cool. It ends up giving you the zero-gravity-like feel so it works for any sleeping position. Okay, 100-night risk-free trial. You're not satisfied? You can return your mattress for a full refund. It's backed by a 10-year warranty, free shipping and returns, free in-home setup, old mattress removal. You ready? You're going to love Purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free Purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text SAVAGE to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to do this. You ready? Text SAVAGE to 84-888. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Text S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. S-A-V-A-G-E to 84888. Message and data rates may apply. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. If you impeach a president, if you make a high crime and misdemeanor out of going to the courts, it is an abuse of power. It's your abuse of power. <laughs> you are doing precisely what you're criticizing the president for doing. The issue of bribery. Uh, the statement has been made, not just by these witnesses, but Chairman Schiff and others, that this is a clear case of bribery. It's not. And Chairman Schiff said that it might not fit today's definition of bribery, <laughs> but it would fit the definition back in the 18th century. <laughs> now, putting aside Mr. Schiff's turn towards originalism, I, I, I think that it might come as a relief to him and his supporters that his career will be a short one, uh, that there is not an originalist uh, future in that argument. Uh, the bribery theory being put forward uh, it's as flawed in the 18th century as it is in this century. That's Jonathan Turley. Now, I've got to say something. He's a lifetime Democrat, voted for Obama, would have voted for Hillary. But, you know, if I were a young man and wanted to go to law school, and I had a professor who could speak like this so clearly and so objectively, I would eat up every word that he said. 
He seems nonpartisan to me. He seems brilliant. He seems objective, even though he's a Democrat. This is the type of liberal I grew up at, uh, with as teachers in college and in graduate school. They never offended me. In fact, they interested me because they were so smart and so objective. The others are not smart and objective. The, other are, the others, I'm sorry to tell you, are on the same scale as Jerry Nadler, just a little more sophisticated. While Jerry Boy went to night school to become a lawyer, the other one with the uh, tweed jacket, no doubt, went to day school. He looks like he came from a very spoiled background where his mother never, ever said he did anything wrong. And the girl who got up and screamed about her religion and her sexual orientation, who's also a professor at, uh, I guess, Stanford, what do you think her background was to have wound up like she is? So, you know, we're watching this, and both uh, the left and the right here is taking from it what they want. But the fact of the matter is we're seeing some sterling examples of humanity in the legal profession and some rusted examples of the same. This uh, Pamela Carlin is a yeller and a screamer. Listen to her now. Today, you're being asked to consider whether protecting those elections requires impeaching a president. That is an awesome responsibility. But everything I know about our Constitution and its values, you know nothing and my about the review Constitution. of the evidentiary right, record, her and here, Mr. I, knock her off, do to her what she does to everyone else in her classrooms. Let me explain something to you. These people, these leftists, are now wrapping themselves in the Constitution. Every other word out of their mouth is they're protecting the Constitution. These are the people who spit on the Constitution. These are the people who want to infringe upon our rights to free speech. These are the same leftists who want to infringe upon our right to bear arms. These are the same leftists who will stop due process if it's someone like, let's say, a conservative who's entitled to due process, but bend the law backwards if it's to defend the cartel member who just slaughtered a whole family in San Diego. That's who they really are. So don't believe them just because they use the word constitution. Many people use the word constitution as a, their middle name. But, you know, those who wrap themselves in the Constitution very often don't know the first thing about the Constitution. It's just a racket for them to make a quick buck. And she is no different, this lady professor, than those who wrap themselves in the Constitution. But I want to turn it over to you. We can play some more sound here on the Savage Nation. Turley is the hero, obviously, a distinguished uh, gentleman. And I wonder, you know, a part of me is wondering what he wants out of being so objective here and so much on Trump's side. I mean, he's a lifetime Democrat. Does he think that Trump might nominate him to the Supreme Court? I don't think so because he's a lifetime liberal. But I don't know. Who knows that Trump may not decide to put Tur Turley's name up for the Supreme Court? But there are other people that you need to hear from today on the Savage Nation. And that would be worth your time to listen to. Here's another one. Did we play number 16 yet? Here's Noah Feldman, another one wrapping himself in the Constitution. Here's Noah Feldman in clip 16. My job is to study and to teach the Constitution from its origins until the present. Oh, man. I'm here today to describe three things. Shut up. I don't Why like his Why the framers I would have dropped the course. If I took a course and this guy spoke one or three sentences like that, I would have walked back to the, to the registrar and got my money back. Arrogant. Putz-like, Schmendrick. I don't know who his tailor is, but let me tell you something. I don't care who his tailor is. So it's a show like any other. It's going nowhere. You got the night school nebbish. You got the uh, disheveled subway flasher running the hearings. Whose mind has really been changed by this charade? And by the way, where is the woman who set it all in motion? She's hiding in Paris. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. Never before in the history of the Republic have we been forced to consider the conduct of a president who appears to have solicited personal political favors uh, from up. a foreign government. Let me ask you something, ladies and gentlemen of the Savage Nation. Uh, you know what I think of this disheveled subway flash or this night school lawyer. If you were on an airplane, and a guy like Nadler came out of the bathroom after being in there for a certain number of minutes, would you use that bathroom or wait for the other uh, bathroom to open? I was reading an article uh, that um, the dirtiest places on airplanes, of course, you would figure would be the toilet. 
but the head, the headrest, the tray tables, toilet handles, window shades are actually rife with antibiotic-resistant bacteria and viruses, even on the armrests. Even methicillin can't stop this staphylo- Staphylococcus aureus or MRSA or the E. coli 0157 bugs that can actually lead to kidney failure. I'm sorry if I run an airplane, as I will be next week, if a Nadler type came out of that toilet, I'm sorry, I'd rather be constipated for the next five hours uh, than go in there. Now you say, why are you getting vulgar? Answer, because I can't take the vulgarity of our Congress. It's that simple. Now let's get down to brass tacks. We're listening to these phony left-wing professors getting up there and telling us that Trump did this and what he did was impeachable. And you listen to this guy, Noah Feldman, who's the worst of that type because he makes believe he's cleaner than all of them, but he isn't. And he said that President Trump and President Zelensky more than sufficiently indicates that President Trump abused his office by soliciting the president of Ukraine to investigate his political rivals in order to gain personal political advantage. First of all, what these leftists are doing is not that clever. I learned it in the third grade in New York City, which is that a good offense is the best defense. What they're doing is covering for Biden and his son. They're as corrupt as corrupt comes by all evidence, and nobody will investigate it. Why is a president who is going to give a couple of hundred million dollars in military aid to a corrupt nation like Ukraine prohibited from asking the president of that country to investigate someone who he thinks there is evidence of being corrupt before that money is transferred. Maybe he was afraid that some of it would go to Biden's son. Why is it not his responsibility, let alone his right, to inquire as to what Hunter Biden may or may not have been doing in that country? And why is that not the issue of these uh, impeachment hearings? Why? Because it's being run by a subway flasher, Jerry Nadler. That's why. This is how clever this kind of night school lawyer is, but I can see right through him. And I I, I think most of America, without knowing the specifics, takes one look at him and these uh, fancy, dancy college teachers, and they know who they are. They listen to them. They look at their faces. They look at the highfalutin garbage they're slinging around, and they hate them. They hate their guts. And they know that that's everything wrong with American law. They know they don't stand a chance if they go into a court and one of this type here is uh, representing the other side, or is worse yet, a prosecutor trying to nail him to a cross. So yes, there is a hero in all of this, and that is Jonathan Turley, who was a lifetime Democrat, voted for Obama, and would have voted for Hillary, he said. He's a Democrat, but the type of Democrat I grew up listening to, because they were objective and really smart and really classy. And then there are a lot of villains I don't have to say the word Nadler over and over again to let you know what I think of him. I ran from that type in New York. In fact, if I look back to the late 60s when I left New York, it was to get away from the scum of the city, the vermin who were destroying the city. That was him. He, he epitomized everything wrong with New York City. That's the type that I ran away from. And I built a good life for myself by seeking better people than him. And now it comes full circle. And what are they actually angry about? Trump... Had a call with Zelensky. I read the transcript. Did you? None of these creeps, these so-called constitutional legal scholars, were privy to that phone call. All they did was listen to what Adam Schiffless had to say. That Schiffless bum committed perjury by inventing and then said it was, I think he said it was a, what was the exact word he used, Jim? He actually admitted that he was being dramatic in his interpretation of what Trump's transcript actually showed. Can you believe this whole thing is built upon a lie? And a falsehood. But I'm not going to get myself twisted out of shape over this. Where is this going to go? It's predetermined. Everyone knows where this is going. The corrupt, evil Pelosi party failed in their attempts to decapitate the president and vice president and become president. So she skidded off to Paris to tell those in the European Union that she agrees with them on global warming or climate change and carbon emissions of which she knows nothing about. She's hiding she threw the first stink bomb into the theater. And now these little actors are going through their charade as they've been told to do. The vote will come probably sooner than later. They'll destroy our Christmas and Hanukkah. They'll destroy our holiday spirit once again. 
I think they're making more enemies than even they can imagine. I think every poll shows that thus far the Schiff hearings were a bomb. And I would say that this hearing today and this latest charade by the subway flasher Nadler will be even worse for the Democrats because the American people have had it up to here. This is the equivalent of the Salem witch trial all over again. And the fact of the matter is we've had enough of it. I like that Turley said this one's mad, that one's mad, even his dogs are mad. I like it because a couple of years ago, I am a scholar and a writer, as you well know, and I'm very proud of that, despite the fact that some try to debase me for being so prolific. I don't understand how that becomes a deficit when you're a prolific writer. But I guess if you're an unimaginative uh, person, anyone as prolific is a threat to you. I wrote an introduction to one of my books that began with madness, if you'll recall. Here it is. It was on page one of Stop the Coming Civil War. And chapter one begins with graduating to treason with a question mark. And I quote Thomas Corwin, who wrote a letter to Abraham Lincoln in 1861, where he wrote, I cannot comprehend the madness of the times. Treason is in the air around us everywhere. It goes by the name of patriotism. If that is not describing what the Democrats are doing right now, I'd like to know what is. It goes by the name of patriotism, but it's actually treason. And it is a form of madness. And I rest my case. There's not much more I can say. I want to open it up to you, and I'll play some sound here. Uh, The phone number is 855-400-SAVAGE. Let me explain something to you. Yesterday was one of the best shows I've ever done in my life. I told you every performer, every lecturer, every artist, every person who does anything publicly knows when their performances or their presentation is good. average, poor. Yesterday was one of my great ones. It was probably the best I've done in many years, and I know it. Do you know why? Because I saw through everything in a, in a total clarity and was able to articulate that clarity. I have to disclose something to you as to why I was so almost clairvoyant yesterday in my analysis of what I was seeing. I was up since three in the morning the night before because One of my children's dogs was dying, a dog that I've loved so much. He's 18 years old. He died yesterday morning, I guess. But it was touch and go for three days prior to that. You say, it's only a dog. People lose people. I know that. But if you're a dog lover, as I am, and this dog was a part poodle. He was a big white dog. I forget his other breed. There was a mixture at that time. I had never seen a, a dog before like him. And because of him, because he was part poodle, I got Teddy. That's how I wound up with my dog, Teddy, because I came to love the breed, how smart they were. So not only that, but this dog of my child, Cash was his name, uh, had the face of a human being or eyes of a human. If you talk to him, it was one of those animals. You ever see like a monkey that looks like a person, the eyes? And then there are dogs who emote. We all have them and we love them no matter what their breed is. This one literally had the eyes of a, a large man who was sad all the time, like a clown. He looked like a big Emmett Kelly, and I used to call him I used to call him Emmett when I visited the house. I'd say, how are you, my clown? How are you? He was a beautiful dog. And like all animals, like all of us will, one day, we all, you know, the way of all flesh. And he did everything he could to keep him alive and this and that. It was inevitable what would happen, and he's buried. And there was a picture sent to me of a burial on a little hill in L.A. It was very touching. 15, 20 people up there, they dug the, the grave and put him in there. And you realize you're, you're, you're a mortal person. Most of us shun the concept of our own mortality, don't we? We never think about it, particularly when we're young. I've been obsessed with mortality since I'm five years old because of things that have happened in my family. I've always known about the, the sands of time. It's been driving me since I'm a kid, which is why I write obsessively and work obsessively in many ways. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, it reminded me again that we have to make every minute count. This dog's death, this dog's suffering, brought up all of my own ancestors who were in the ground. My father, my mother, my brother. I don't want to go down the list. And it makes you think about those cold, dark graves that await all of us. And it makes you think again, what the hell is this all about? What is our passage on this earth about? What does it mean? What are we supposed to do here? Well, that's a question I can't answer for you. Everyone has their own way through life. Some 
say that it's to have pleasure. The latest phrase is, life is too short, let's enjoy it. I, I've heard that one. I, I try that one on, but it never works. What do you mean life is too short so you may as well enjoy it? I, I, I don't quite get that one. What does that mean? Of course you try to enjoy yourself along the way, but that can't be the whole reason for living, to just enjoy yourself. You think that's why God put you here? I think there's a higher purpose for mankind. I think every one of us has a divine purpose in one way or another. And I've been driven by that thought ever since I'm a little boy, and I try to make that have meaning. So what I'm saying to you is, with a long and short of what I'm saying to you, I'm sorry to distract you from the important impeachment hearings. What I'm saying to you is one of the reasons I was motivated yesterday to think so clearly is because the issue of the other side became so clear to me again. And it's when you think of the other side that it puts you in context, puts in context this side, what we're doing here and what we're supposed to do while we're here. And that goes to the smallest job that we may have to the largest job we may have. Back in a minute. Home of Borders. Language. Culture. The Savage Nation. In short, the founders warned us that we should expect our foreign adversaries to target our elections. (laughs) And that we will find ourselves in grave danger if the president willingly opens the door to their influence. All right. You know what I think of Nadler. I don't have to beat it to death. He's the lowest of the type, night school lawyer, ticket fixer. He is. He is what he looks like. Sometimes the looks do project who the man is. So then you got the college teachers, the shrill, partisan, radical leftist college teachers up there who really were not privy to any of this information they got it all from Adam Schiffless. What are they actually doing here? In addition to trying nail, trying to nail Trump to a cross, which is obvious, what are they also doing? They're playing the game that you learned in the third or fourth grade, which is that a good offense is the best defense. And who are they defending? They're defending Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the number one hope that they have to make it in the next administration, either to get a federal judgeship, some of them are dreaming of something higher, and they know if, if Biden goes down, none of the others have a chance of beating Trump. So not only are they trying to crucify Trump, what they're doing is protecting Joe Biden by bringing up the shibboleth of Trump had no right to ask the president of Ukraine about a possible corruption in Ukraine, uh, with no matter who it applied to. In other words, if Hunter Biden, who is a known, let's say, bad character, very bad character by what you see. The strip shows, the sex toys that came out last week. There's nothing wrong with strip shows or sex toys if you like that stuff. I don't. But some men do. It doesn't make them bad. But those are just examples of other things that this man uh, has done with his shady character, as that character that he is. According to everything I have read, as a member of the media, I study these things. It looks to me, as a media scholar that Hunter Biden is dirty. The Burisma story we heard about, being put on the board of a company he had no knowledge of the specifics of that company simply as a a bribe. They were bribing him to get to his father. And this is what's not being discussed in any of these hearings because the night school lawyer, in his mind, is being very clever and turning the whole thing into a hearing about Trump without at all discussing what it's really all about, which is about Biden and his son and corruption in a corrupt nation known as Ukraine. I'll remind you that a president has the right and the obligation to investigate potential corruption. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. This impeachment would rival the Johnson impeachment as the shortest in history, depending on how one counts the relevant days. 
Now, there are three distinctions when you look at these, or the three commonalities when you look at these past cases. All involved established crimes. This would be the first impeachment in history where there would be considerable debate, and in my view, not compelling evidence of the commission of a crime. Second is the abbreviated period mm. of this investigation, which is problematic and puzzling. This is a facially incomplete and inadequate record in order to impeach a president. Well, the real hero thus far of all these hearings is Jonathan Turley. Yes, I agree with him politically, but you got to remember something. He's a lifetime liberal professor at GWU. He voted for Obama. He said he would have voted for Hillary. He's a liberal, the type that taught me in college. They were all liberals. But I respected them because they were objective. They made sense to me. I didn't even care what their politics were. The others are an embarrassment. It's why people hate lawyers. You look at the others. Do I have to name them? The one in the, in the gray flannel jacket there with the snotty nose. Liberal professors yelling at you, sneering at you, talking down to you. Uh, you know who they are. You know the types that they are. And uh, I can't match what I did yesterday. I've already disclosed to you where I got the insight for yesterday's show and how long it's been building in me. You can't always do the same show every day, meaning hit the same high note. But I believe that impeachment will cause a rise of anti-Semitism in the nation, as I said yesterday. And I had to say it's sad, sadly. And I think today made it worse. Again, I wake up and I said, no, please don't. Please don't make it so. And there it was again. I said, no, this can't be. One tells us her religious orientation when she's not religious, but we have to know that she's Jewish and a lesbian. I didn't care. I didn't ask her for that. Why do we have to know that? One after the other, again, these are the apostates. These are the apostates who know nothing about their own religion, in my estimation. None of them are religious Jewish people. None of them. And again, why does this matter? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but it just bothers me. That's all I can say. I spent Monday talking about Italian stereotypes as exemplified by the garbage and filth that's put out by De Niro. De Niro built an entire career on stereotyping the worst of the Italian people going back several generations. Scores easy. Stereotyping, again, Italians as mobsters and greasy and untrustworthy. But we've heard stereotypes before. Irish, they're drunks. They want to fight. They eat potatoes. It's not true. Maybe there are some Irish drunks. Or we hear that uh, English have bad teeth. Or that Koreans are just store owners and they eat dogs. Or the stereotype that Asians are good at math. They're slow drivers. We hear that all Russians are vodka drinkers, all in the Russian mafia. We're told that Africans in a stereotype live in tribes. We're told that Australians in the stereotype are drunks and they ride kangaroos. They eat Vegemite all the time. We're told by stereotype that Mexicans are all illegal immigrants, drug runners, gang members, fruit pickers, landscapers. Anyone has a German name, they're Nazis, white nationalists, or authoritarians. If we see a man who's slightly feminine, he's gay. If we see a masculine woman, she's a lesbian. These are negative stereotypes of the same that I was applying yesterday. You understand what I'm trying to say to you? And yet these people I am pointing out fulfill the various stereotype that I'm trying to say I wish to God didn't exist. I think that's enough said on that, don't you? Here are some other stories that are on michaelsavage.com that may interest you. Let's see. The Washington Times, Michael Savage's brilliant tie of Bible truths to impeachment. Thank you, Cheryl. Impeachment hearings, nothing more than convincing that nothing is more convincing than liberal professors yelling at you. No kidding. Lead them counsel was anti-Trump since the election. Can you imagine that? Here's a nice story for those of you who love jihadists. U.S. forces kill jihadist leader in Syria with precision ninja missile that chops up targets with blades. Thank God for advanced technology. They keep it up. They keep it up. They're going to have an atomic bomb hit them in their, in their homeland. Um, let's see. London Bridge attacker Usman Khan. Remember him? You forgot it already? Because those in the media don't want you to remember that Islam is connected to terrorism in too many cases. 
Apparently, Usman Khan, who hates the West, spent $1,300 on treatments to lose weight. Go figure that one out. Leftist pundits rage at whiteness of Democrats' uh, 2020 candidates after Kamala drops out. So, wait a minute. What did Kamala Harris stand for other than the fact that she wasn't white? Was that our whole reason for running? What was Kamala Harris selling other than hate white people? And every other, every other speech was whites are no good. She tried the anti-white, the old white guy thing over and over again. It didn't sell. It doesn't even sell in San Francisco. Germmobile, plain headrest tables riddled with germs and bacteria. It's, an inter- it's a disgusting article. Uh, meanwhile, a powerful union in Las Vegas is going to host Biden and Warren and Sanders in Nevada. You know why they go to these union groups? Because the illegal aliens are members of these unions. Nevada's powerful Casino Workers Culinary Union will hold a series of town halls next week with uh, Warren, Sanders, and Biden, designed to give the White House hopefuls a chance to pitch themselves to the bartenders, housekeepers, and other workers in the city's famed casinos. Is there a listener in Las Vegas who happens to be a member of this powerful Casino Workers Culinary Union who is listening to this program because I am live in Las Vegas? I'd like you to call and tell me what you think about this. The Union Secretary Treasurer Gioconda Arguello Klein. How does that work? Uh, the Union's 60,000 members are mostly women and immigrants and cite health care, immigration reform, and workers' issues among their top priorities. How many of them are citizens legally of the 60,000 me- members? How many? I don't know. Do you? I'm sure you don't. The story is on michaelsavage.com. Now, we have a real treat for you at this juncture. Robert Borowski went and got for me to make up for the uh, uh, difficult work we're having here today in the Savage Nation. (laughs) Uh, We have a 1998 clip from Nadler, the (coughs) disheveled subway flasher, arguing against impeachment as he spoke. He was about 300 pounds at the time. As he spoke in front of the rainbow push microphones, let's listen in. He knew quite properly that an impeachment of a president is an undoing of a national election. And one of the reasons we all feel so angry about what they are doing is that they are ripping from us. They are ripping asunder our votes. They are telling us that our votes don't count. (laughs) And that the election must be set aside. Right on. All power to the people. You, you see why people distrust politicians and hate them? They're such liars. I was in the museum <clears throat> the other day, again, on the Sunday. I love to go on a rainy day to a museum. I like civilization at its best. So um, they polluted the, the young museum with an exhibit called, listen to this, I, you won't believe this, to show you how far the march through the institutions has gone. I go again to see the classic paintings. I go there to see the primitive art. I go there to see the uh, Aleutian art. Some of the classics, great stuff. Even some of the modern art is really remarkable. Lo and behold, what's the featured exhibit at the De Young Museum? Listen to this. America's Soul, the Black Panthers, 1969 to X. I was infuriated. Who made the Black Panthers America's Soul? Which left-wing fanatic has seized control of that museum and tries to tell us that a bunch of gangsters and criminals and cop killers were America's soul. How far can this society fall until it bounces back, if it can ever bounce back? How can it? I don't know. But in that museum, there's a certain painting that I go to. It's almost like a, a, a lodestone for me. It's a painting of a ship locked up on ice. I think it's by Bradford, if I remember correctly. It's a ship in the late 1890s that got locked in the ice in the Antarctic. It's Bradford. Look it up. It's gorgeous. And it just symbolizes a lot for me. I'm going to tell you a little story about that painting. I love the painting, but about a year ago, after looking at it for many years, it was not on the wall. There was nothing there. It was gone. Well, I'm not one to say, oh, well. I went down to the office and said, where's the Bradford painting? No one knew. I went and I demanded to see the person in charge. Finally, I got the answer. You're not going to believe the answer. That great painting was on loan to a certain politician in San Francisco in her private home. Do you realize that paintings are being stolen from our museums 
by people in Congress. Are you aware of that? They take them out on loan, and then it's conveniently forgotten that they're on loan, and they steal them. You don't know that. There's things that you should know about the level of corruption and how far they would go. It's not bad enough that they rape the Treasury, steer contracts, lie to the American people, try to undo an election through false uh, pretenses, but they actually will steal art right out of a museum, a public museum. Some of them, not all of them. Not all of them are as bad as those here in San Francisco or the ones we're looking at today. Next week, I will be on assignment in Washington, D.C. I'll be on the air Monday. Then I'm traveling on Tuesday. I'll be dining in the congressional dining room on Wednesday. I'm not telling you with whom. I don't need my enemies barraging people with emails. Uh, And then there's a great event on Wednesday night that I'm going for. Thursday, I have some private assignment meetings. And I fly home on Friday, God willing. So I will meet those in Congress who stand between us and total chaos. The good ones. The ones I'm going to meet, most of them are Iraq or Afghan war vets who went into Congress. They're the real Mr. Smiths who went to Washington. Not this filth and this garbage that I'm looking at today. This subway flasher, this night school bum. 855-407-282. The minute I come back, we have a caller out of Las Vegas who was a member of the Culinary Union right here on the Savage Nation. Michael Savage, a host like no other. All right, so the, uh, the Stalinist show trial goes on with the uh, uh, subway flasher and Nadler running it. It's the, the disgrace, by the way. It's sickening. But um, next week, the uh, culinary union in Las Vegas is having the Dem candidates come out there. And I'm asking, how many members of the culinary union are illegal aliens? Why shouldn't voter ID be applied to every union in the country? Why? Why? Then you'll understand why the Democrats would never get elected again in this country. If it was only for legitimate citizens, they wouldn't be in office. They wouldn't be able to steer contracts, steal paintings out of museums, go to Paris on the uh, public dime. So I asked people from Las Vegas who are listening or in the union to call. Maria in Las Vegas, line two, thank you for calling the Savage Nation. What's your topic? Hello, Dr. Savage. I used to be a culinary union member for about five years, and I know they're firmly involved with the Democrat Party. Um, they go after anybody. Uh, they're definitely targeting uh, against Donald Trump. Uh, Mr. Wynn, Steve Wynn, who made Las Vegas, he owned the Wynn Las Vegas. As soon as he signed up to be a Republican bookkeeper, they went after him and had all these people come out of the woodwork and say sexual harassment. Well, it, wait, wait, this is an interesting story. Um, I met Mr. Wynn, by the way, at Mar-a-Lago once. He's a wonderful man, and he did build Las Vegas. And they brought him down. Wasn't it a hairdresser, a, a, a nail salon woman claimed something? I'm not exactly sure. I've heard those things, but Mr. But, what, what are you, you Marie? Are you saying that the union set that woman up in your in your estimation? In my estimation, I think they they set up a lot of people, just like they've set up all famous rich men. Mr. Wynn has been blind for many years. He's had macular degeneration. I, I know. The hotel. I know. When I spoke with him, I saw that. And the man built Las Vegas, the modern Las Vegas as we know it. I couldn't believe his fall from grace was so quick, all because of a woman who puts on nail polish. He said that he was going to be building on his property till the day he died, and they've taken his dream away. They, they, they made him resign from the hotel, and now the Gaming Commission, which is, of course, in bed with the union, is trying to get him to lose his, his gaming license for Las Vegas, the town he created. Oh, my God. This is really big. You know, I love all these movies by Scorsese about stuff in the past. Why didn't someone do a movie about the conniving union and the uh, and the, the shady characters of the underworld and what they're doing today rather than what in ancient history. Why don't we see movies about that? I don't know, but... Why? 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 Because it's not a score easy. Not an easy score. Maria, thanks for having the guts to speak out. Montana, James, line four. Welcome to the program. What's your topic? Yeah, I was just interested in the painting you were talking about, uh... Was it the endurance you were talking about? Let's see. It's by William Bradford. Yeah, I have to. William Bradford, but the uh, the the voyage from that ship of uh, Shackleton's voyage, correct? You know, you may be right. Shackleton was long a hero of mine when I was a younger man. Yeah, uh, uh, is that is that ship his? Yeah, that was his ship, and uh, he had to abandon it 
because he was going to be the first person to try to trek across the Antarctic. Well, the painting is in the De Young Museum. It's of a ship locked in the, in the Antarctic ice during a freeze. I read so many stories about those Arctic explorers and Antarctic explorers. The point that my story was is that I, I, I admired the painting for years. One day I come to the museum and it's gone. The space is empty. And I had to go trace down through the museum uh, management where that painting was. And I was shocked to learn that a certain politician in San Francisco had borrowed the painting, quote unquote, for her private collection. Within a week, that painting was back on the wall. Do you know that, James? Wow, that's amazing. But there's an amazing story behind that ship and how it saved their lives. How? Well, they had to take it apart to be able to dog sled across part to uh, and use a lifeboat to actually go to another whaling port where he left all of the crew there on the Antarctic shelf to live off of, like, seal and whale blubber for over a year God. before he could take a life raft with nothing but a sextant. Unbelievable. Yep, these were the great men of all time. They were made of iron. I don't know how they did it. In the Arctic by William Bradford, amazing story. But the biggest side of the story that I was telling was the disappearing painting that only I seemed to notice and inquire about. And it took me a long time, days in fact, of calling museum uh, management to find out where it was. And I told you a politician had borrowed it. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. I rise because I love my country, but I also rise today mm -hmm. with heartfelt regrets. Mm -hmm. It hurts my heart, Mr. Speaker, to see the Judiciary Committee hearing experts on the topic of impeachment one of the seminal issues of this Congress. Hearing experts, Mr. Speaker, and not one person of color among the experts. You know, it leaves you speechless to hear a thing like this. What the hell does that have to do with anything? So he wants, through affirmative action, to create an expert on impeachment who happens to not be white? This just shows you how debased the Democrat Party is that's Rep. Al Green lamenting the absence of a black impeachment expert. Well, if there is one, then blame the Democrats for being racist. And if there isn't one, who do you blame then? The whole thing is a charade. By the way, before we go to our great guest, Matthew Boyle of uh, Breitbart, I want to just mention that we um, found a copy of the picture by William Bradford seen in the Arctic that I had referenced from the De Young Museum, the uh, painting that had mysteriously disappeared for a while from the wall until yours truly insisted that they disclose to me where it was, uh, and then magically it reappeared a week or two later after it had been uh, borrowed by a politician in the San Francisco area for their private collection. I won't say him or her. Uh, for her, his or her private collection. That's how paintings disappear from museums, by the way. They lend them to politicians and donors, and then they mysteriously are forgotten, and they wind up in private collections. It's art theft. Let's go to our guest, Matthew Boyle of the uh, Breitbart site. Great site. Mr. Boyle, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thanks for being back with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I saw a disheveled subway flasher named Nadler trying to comport himself as a legitimate congressman. What, what did you see here? Uh, well, this is the second ring of the three-ring circus, right? Like, So, I mean, the, the first ring, they had all of the uh, people that you know, heard heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who nobody heard anything uh, mm -hmm. from the president except the one person who testified that they had spoken with the president in the first ring of the, this three-ring circus uh, had uh, said that the president told him no, uh, he doesn't want anything, no quid pro quo. Uh, that's Gordon Sondland. So uh, now... Has the left gained anything at all with these hearings? Look, i got to say this, Matthew. The best blow of the event occurred in about 20 minutes ago when Gates, G-A-E-T-Z, hit back at that lousy professor from Stanford uh, for attacking Baron Trump in one of her missives and her contributions to Dems. Wouldn't you say that that was a knockout blow of that witness? Yeah, Congressman Gates was clearly the most exciting thing we've seen all day today. But, the, but look, here's the thing. These witnesses, none of them have any information regarding 
the impeachment, uh, uh, the uh, uh, the allegations against President Trump. They're they're all like co- constitutional law professors, right? So it's like going back to college and getting a, a, a philosophy lesson, which is I'm sure informative for people, but. Again, there's no relevance to anything that any of these people are saying today, so it doesn't really make any sense. But the reason why the Democrats are doing this, uh, uh, by the way, I do think that the reason why uh, Nancy Pelosi picked Adam Schiff to do all of the fact-gathering is evident from the way that uh, just how incompetent Jerry Nadler is throughout the course of today that we've seen on. But look, Matthew, you, you study politics and people as I do. Do you think the left has gained anything at all from this hearing today? No. In fact, they're losing more and more people. They're, they're, it's so boring. None of these people are offering anything insightful. It's all just roasting hot takes from a bunch of, uh, again, straight out of central casting of resistance academia. Right? It's yes. Tech- yes. Yeah, it's like Saturday Night Live. But it's even worse than that. At least Saturday Night Live people like are uh, out there in the entertainment world on a regular basis. Well, why are they bringing in academic lawyers as witnesses who who didn't hear anything directly? Why are we supposed to be impressed by them? Uh, apparently, they're they're respe- uh, respectable law school professors, and I'm sure that they all have great backgrounds and whatnot, but none of them know anything that the president said or did or didn't do or whatever. None of them have any inside knowledge of the core allegations of this case. Not one of the four witnesses today, not even the Republican witness. Uh, these are all constitutional law professors. Uh, again, this, this whole thing is, uh, and, and look, this is the, uh, the way I say it, is this is a three-ring circuit. The first ring was Adam Schiff's hearing mm-hmm. this ring here in the judiciary committee and after just how dismal this has gone today i can't see them doing another matthew one. why do they want to jam this through before congress uh, before christmas yeah they want to they want to have articles of impeachment pass the house within two weeks from now they want to do it by uh december 20th what are we on december 4th today uh so they want to they want to pass this thing in uh within two and a half weeks they want to they want to be done uh, with it by then, and look, here's the thing: if they pass articles of impeachment out of the House by the uh, by then, uh, based off of it, what they have gathered so far, uh, I think that they're only going to be doing the Democrat Party a disservice because what they're doing is they're setting up the Senate to do a real investigation and trial, which they begin early next year. Uh, it would be at least a, uh, a few weeks long trial, probably more like a couple months. And Senate Judiciary Committee has indicated that they intend to call Hunter Biden. They intend to call the whistleblower. They intend to call Adam Schiff. Uh, all of the people that the Democrats refuse to have testify under oath. Uh, so, Matthew, I'm sorry, you write with Breitbart and you do a great job. Are you going to be able to get that picture when Congressman Gates asks the law professors, raise your hand if they have personal knowledge of a single fact that confirms quid pro quo, and not one of these college professors raised their hand. To me, that was the turning point of the entire uh, um, day today. There was nothing better than that. Yeah, that was an incredible moment, and also him laying out the personal vendettas and biases of each of these folks, right? What was this about this woman, this nasty Carlin? What did she say about Baron Trump? Uh, so she was apparently saying Trump can uh, name his kid Baron, but he can't be a Baron or something like that. So she's a nasty piece of work who hides behind her law professorship to get away. She's the, the pink hat type. She's the barricade type who thinks she's a wild, wild revolutionary. She's the type who wears a mask with Antifa and then goes back and puts on the, 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 the cloak of respectability. Well, I wish you continued success, Matthew Boyle at Breitbart, and I thank you for joining us today on The Savage Nation. Always nice to hear from you. Thanks. Thank you. Well, again, there's a couple of heroes here today. One is a Democrat named Jonathan Turley, who's an objective, an objective man. Sure, I agree with him, but he's objective and rational. Like him, terrific. He voted for Obama. He said he would have voted for Hillary, but the man was clear as a bell, right down the middle neutral, and he said there's no basis for this impeachment whatsoever. The, no, the next hero to me is Rep. Matt Gates, if it's the pronunciation, Republican of Florida, where he ad- actually attacks that vicious Professor Carlin over comments she made about Trump's son. And uh, he says that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. He had a nerve to call her mean. Good for him. Best day, best point of the day, Congressman Gates. 
asks the witnesses to raise your hand if they have personal knowledge of a single fact that confirms quid pro quo. They sat there like the dunces that they are. Not one of the genius law professors raised their hand. I'm going to try to meet with Representative Gates when I'm in uh, the Congress next week on a special assignment. I'd love to meet him. He's a new hero of mine. It's great to see that there are young Republicans out there who are smart and gutsy. You know, you can give up sometimes and say it's hopeless. It isn't. You know what I'm saying? The phone number is 855-497-282. We now go to the open mic phase of the show. It could be any topic I have raised or one that I have not raised. Uh, you can call the show right now and get in on the end of this hour. David in San Francisco, line two. Go ahead, please. What's your topic? Michael, hi. I'm combining two topics, the uh, hearings as well as the Young Museum. I just saw the uh, Soul of America exhibit, which was barely watchable. And uh, it's- you know, Let me tell people what it is. I went to the museum Sunday, a great museum in San Francisco, and it's been polluted with political insanity, where their lead exhibit is called The Soul of a Nation, the Black Panthers from the 1960s. I was offended. How in the world can they call a bunch of criminal gangsters the soul of a nation? And moreover, what the hell is that doing in a museum? There's no connection to art. And, and the thought I had, uh, that I pulled out of one of the other museums when the new director was barraged with phone calls from uh, special interest groups. And rather than say, look, we, we judge art on its merit, he just sort of fell all over. Oh, yes, yes, we need more women. We need more this and more that. Do you know how they audition for a, a symphony orchestra? If somebody is auditioning, they are behind a curtain. And if you're in the audience deciding, is this going to be a player we want, you don't know if it's male, female, old, young. They don't even wear shoes. So you're in the audience. You, all you are hearing is the instrument. And that should be the way art and everything else is uh, evaluated. Yep. Well, that was changed, by the way, in San Francisco uh, when they weren't getting enough minorities. And they pulled the curtain back so that people could vote with their political opinions rather than with their ears or their eyes. Unfortunately. Are, are you, you live here in San Francisco, in this area? Yeah, and I, I, originally from the East Coast, I've been here 47 years. I love the city. I hate what's happening in the city. Uh, well, when you, look at, when you look at the human waste in the streets, never mind just the homeless bums and the human waste, which everyone knows about, we know there's a crime wave. Stores are closing up from the bums taking over their businesses. Even ex-liberals are, have had enough. They're folding up shop and leaving the area. I know Uber drivers who are leaving the San Francisco area. They can't work here because of the filth. But when you then see them polluting the museum with an exhibit like the Black Panthers, which they call the soul of a nation, you have to ask yourself, who is it who's running this museum into the gutter? Who is it? Who would make a decision like that? I... Whether it was one person or uh, some, you know, political people went in and started twisting arms. I mean, I can only conjecture. Not everything they've done is is stellar, but but this just sort of. I would say that this is the lowest point of the the Young Museum. Many years ago, I criticized uh, an ex exhibition that they had of women's dresses. I called it a schmata collection. That was about ten years ago. I don't know what it was doing there. Shoes and dresses of some rich woman who died. I said, boy, if they hit a new low. What, she had nice dresses and shoes and they made that an exhibit? Yes. Well, I ridiculed that. Now this is a new low, though. How do you take a group of gangsters who were cop killers and turn them into the soul of a nation? How do you do a thing like that? I would ask anyone listening to this show in San Francisco to voice your opposition to the DeYoung Museum. And I thank you for paying attention so closely to every utterance of mine. We now have a special uh, treat for you. Who pulled this one, Jim or Robert? Who? Jim, okay. <laughs> it's the Gates clip ripping the Professor Carlin over Baron Trump. Listen to him. I really got to see this man when I'm in Washington next week. Let's hear it. Now, let me also suggest that when you invoke the president's son's name here, when you try to make a little joke out of referencing Baron Trump, that does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. It makes you look like you're attacking someone's family, the minor child of the president of the United States. So let's see if we can get into the facts. To all of the witnesses. If you have personal knowledge of a single material fact in the Schiff report, please raise your hand. And let the record reflect. No personal knowledge of a single fact. And you know what? That continues on the tradition that we saw from Adam Schiff. Beautiful. You know, I'm seeing that the Republicans have some young fighters, young Turks like him, and all is not lost. You know, it's easy to say that they're all this, they're all that. It's beautiful to actually see 
new heroes emerging in these hearings on our side. I'll be back in a moment to take your calls. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. So all of these experts on the Constitution who are saying they're doing it out of patriotism and that they want to protect the Constitution, I wonder if that girl professor from Stanford who attacked Barron Trump and all, if she was told that there are 423 million guns in America with 8.1 billion rounds of ammo expended a year, I wonder if she'd be, be quite as originalist with her interpretation of the Second Amendment as she is with regard uh, to impeachment. I kind of doubt it. You know, you look at all of these professors up there, this uh, Pamela and Feldman and this one and that one, and you ask yourself, they're all such originalists when it comes to the Constitu- Constitution. They're all such patriots. What do you think they would say about my right to free speech? What do you think they would say about my right to bear arms? What do you think that these originalists would have to say about the Fourth Amendment? I can pretty much tell you that they're like gene-edited lawyers. These are like gene-edited law scholars. They snip and they cut and they paste according to their political orientation. That's my opinion. So today we saw the saddest day in these hearings. A uh, night school nebbish trying to take down a president. A guy, Nadler, who looks more like a disheveled subway flasher than he does a congressman. Never mind that he had 100 pounds of his ugly fat removed through gastric bypass surgery. As I've said before, uh, he removed the best 100 pounds of himself. All that was left was the hatred and the vitriol. He said today uh, in closed-door hearings he's not going to take any SH, you know what, from anybody. Why would this little five foot three Nadler try to suddenly play a tough guy in order to take out a president that was elected by half of America? He went to night school to get a law degree. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Let me be very clear. But you know and I know that a night school lawyer is not the same as a lawyer who was able to get into a day school and a good school at that. There are differences between law schools. And there are differences between a night school lawyer and a day school lawyer. He's a night school nebbish trying to act tough and undo an election on false pretenses, wrapped in lies and rigged testimony from Adam Schiffster. He looks like he just came out from behind a deli counter where he was caught with his finger on the scale. Then he jumps into politics in 1977. Did you know he ran for every office in New York City and got beat by everybody? Do you know how Nadler got into Congress to begin with? I need, need to tell you this again but as the show comes to an end. This is germane to the entire reason someone of this low caliber winds up in such a high position. You see, a popular congressman on the Democrat side was running for re-election named Ted Weiss. Ted Weiss died a day before the Dem primary in New York, and the machine inserted Jerry Nadler in his place. Jerry Nadler won by default. And the rest is history. He has spent most of his life fighting with Donald Trump in New York City out of sheer jealousy. Because while Trump was tall, he was short. While Trump was good looking, he was hideous. While Trump had a beautiful wife at the time, I don't know what he had. I don't even want to know. Please don't show me the pictures. But you get the picture. Personal vendetta, personal jealousy of the lowest kind. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. The Westwood One Podcast Network.